This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Well, one of the great questions that charitable organizations have to deal with is when to ask for that actual donation. There's a concern of reaching out at times too soon, but there's also a worry of maybe waiting too long and missing that opportunity. New research takes a look at this pattern for charities. Catherine Milkman is Endowed Chair for Excellence in Teaching and Associate Professor of Operations, Information, and Decisions here at the Wharton School. She's also with an appointment at the Perelman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. And Judd Kessler is an Assistant Professor of Business Economics and Public Policy here at Wharton. And they join me here in the studio. Good seeing you both. Thank you for uh, joining us today. Happy to be here. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Thank you. Uh, I guess let's dig into the idea behind the research. And, and uh, it's something that we've talked about on the show from time to time is the fact that Charitable giving is such an important component to a lot of organizations, uh, but making that that right timing, I guess, is is kind of one of the the key themes behind uh, the paper. Yeah, that's exactly right. So a lot of charities will time when they send solicitations uh, when they think people will be generous or in the mood to give. So you might send around Christmas time or in, in leading up to Giving Tuesday, uh, but. What's interesting about the setting that we're looking at is that we're looking at a, a nonprofit that solicits funds but also provides a service to right. the people they might solicit from. And then it gets a little bit more interesting because if I've done something for you and then I'm going to ask you uh, to make a donation, then I might want to think not just about when might you be in a generous mood generally, but when might you be reciprocal towards me given the fact that I've done something uh, that's helped you out in, in the recent past. So this was uh, a, a hospital system that – uh, you did this research with. And, and I find that interesting in terms of the perception of giving and how much you believe that's different in comparison to, say, another charitable organization, whether it be Red Cross or, you know, Heart Association or something like that. So I actually think we believe our findings are likely quite generalizable, not just to other hospital systems besides the one we studied, but right. to all organizations that are providing services and then asking for a donation in return. So you could think about a church or um, or other uh, religious organization that's asking for people to give. You could think of a school mm -hmm. like our university, for instance, that asks alumni for donations after providing a service in the form of education. Um, you can think of a humane society. So there's a very large range of organizations that provide services and then seek donations from the people they've provided those services to. And, and the fundamental question we're asking should really apply to all of them, which is, can you ask too early? If you ask too quickly, will it perhaps offend people mm -hmm. that you are reaching out and asking, hey, we just did a nice thing for you. Can you um, make a donation? If you do that really fast, maybe people will be put off. Um, maybe you should wait. Or on the other hand, you can imagine that if you wait too long and don't strike while the iron is hot, you miss your opportunity. So this paper really addresses that question as well as telling us something more fundamental about reciprocity. Jed? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and we think about... The hospital system that we work with, we think about other organizations like Katie mentioned that, that provide services. You might also think about how this applies in interpersonal interactions. When uh, somebody asks you for a favor, you know, you yeah. do it partially out of the goodness of your heart, maybe also because you think when you need a favor from them, they'll, they'll be ready to reciprocate. Sure. Uh, maybe you want to think about when you ask for that request, again, wanting to potentially you know, be worried about asking too soon, uh, but also potentially being worried about waiting too long and, uh, and that warm feeling that of, of you having helped somebody out. Maybe, maybe they don't feel that uh, as much anymore. So were you able to gauge, 
I hate to use the term success or success rate, but I think it's it's kind of important to the conversation of what that quote unquote success rate would be depending on that timing factor. So that's exactly what this paper looks at. It uses a quirk of the institutional setting we were studying, which is that mailings asking former patients to make a donation to the hospital system go out in batches that are scheduled uh, well in advance. So um, if you come into the hospital during a certain period of time, um, your mailing is going to be queued up shortly thereafter. And if you miss a deadline, say you come in on the last day of the month, um, you you just get into the next batch that's going out the next day, uh, or you come the first day of a new month, you just missed that batch, and now you're going to get an ask many months later. So there's this quirk, which is that the mailings all get queued up and sent in, in one big batch. And that gives us an opportunity to look and see what happens if you get an immediate mailing, an immediate ask right after you go in, um, as fast as you know arriving three weeks later. And what happens if you have a really long time delay the hospital doesn't say hey would you be willing to give a donation until say four and a half months after your visit right. and what we see is a very clear steep decline in generosity towards the hospital the longer you wait so specifically donation rates drop about 30 percent every extra 30 days the hospital system waits to contact a former patient in terms of uh, of this hospital system that, that you were dealing with what was the average time frame in terms of sending that those notices out was it 30 days 60 days 90 days how did they do it so they they as katie described they have uh these batches that go out on the same date for everybody that okay. visited say in a two-month window okay and it takes a little while to figure out exactly who visited and figure out who you're going to mail to right uh, so it takes about three weeks from that last uh day of, of the window before the mailing goes out so you have as, as katie said uh People who visited as recently as three weeks before they received the mailing and then, say, two months uh, earlier than that, so almost three months delayed. Then there's quirks where uh, they try to time the solicitations nearer to the holidays, as yeah. I mentioned earlier. Um, and so that can create even longer delays in your visit from the, the time of your visit to when you get the solicitation. So you know they're, they're doing OK in terms of you know, being within, say, uh, a month or two of your visit. Um, but what we're finding is that if they somehow could figure out how to get uh, everybody receiving their mailer or everybody who was receiving it late and you know lo after a longer delay, sort of pushing that up a month, right. then they'd increase their rates uh, the rates of donation to the hospital system quite dramatically. I would think that one of the the issues that these hospital systems have to deal with, and and it to a degree o over the larger issue where uh, charities are concerned, is that th the perception of the person who is being sent the letter as for the donation is going to be different a majority of the time. So somebody who receives a, a letter after 30 days may feel like they're being pressured into given, giving, where some people may not. And they may feel, oh, that's right. They did such a great thing for me. I want to give back to them. I would think that's a factor as well. So that's that's the kind of thing that led us to think this was an interesting question because maybe you would see that kind of backlash, but we really don't find any evidence whatsoever of it in our data. We do look at some different subpopulations to see if there are different patterns in those subpopulations. We never see backlash. We do see some groups that respond even more um, dramatically to time delays, meaning the decay is faster in their willingness to reciprocate. It goes down faster over time. So for instance, patients who have visited some of the departments in the hospital that deal with the most severe cases, like surgery, uh, oncology, and I'm forgetting, radiology. is it radiology? Um, those departments, we see the steepest decay if you've been a patient to those departments relative to departments that are classified by uh, medical doctors in this 
in this hospital system as handling less severe cases. And we think that's interesting because um, one concern about our findings is maybe you're just forgetting about the interaction you had with the hospital. Right. And this is just it's not about reciprocity decaying, particularly, which is what we think is really interesting and fundamental about human nature. Right. Maybe it's instead just, hey, they forgot that they even had this interaction. But um, there's two things that counter that. One, the mailing literally reminds you that you're a patient at this hospital. Yeah. And two, you're definitely not going to forget when you went and had surgery. Right. right. So this yes. is these really severe <laughs> cases. There's just no realistic way you're forgetting. And that's actually where we're seeing the strongest effects. So that makes us pretty convinced that this is more about gratitude and less about forgetting. So how much of a variation is there from from department to department within the hospital system? So giving rates do start out higher at these most severe, uh, you know, the, the departments that f- treat the most severe illnesses. Yeah. If you go in for something minor, you know, giving rates are, are quite low. Um, but, you know, the fact that giving is happening in response to visits to these severe uh severe cases, and that's where you see the steepest delay, that sort of leads the hospital system and organizations like that to maybe want to think, all right, who are the people that might feel most generous to us? Let's really target them. One other thing I think is worth mentioning, you know, we were particularly worried about this question you raised earlier of uh, what if it's, you know, too soon? So we talked about the three-week delay between the mailings. What's a nice feature of uh, the hospital system is that if... They classify you into these buckets based on the first visit that where you show up to the hospital. Mm-hmm. But many people visit multiple times before the solicitation. Right. So when we look at, rather than the first visit you show to the hospital, when we look at the last visit, that last visit could come days before you get the solicitation. And so we do some empirical work in the paper to try to recognize that you know people who visit multiple times are going to be different from people who visit once. But we can still do the analysis uh, based on, let's compare when you get your solicitation to the last time you came to the hospital before before you receive that solicitation, yeah. even when it's a, a couple of days before, you're still giving it much, you know, that that your visit took place. You're still giving it much higher rates and we still see the sharp decline. Well, it, it makes me wonder whether or not the hospitals need to consider uh, of setting up their system, being on the back end of the visit, whatever that that last visit is from the hospital, timing out 30 days or 60 days from that point. It seems like some hospitals, though, do it from the front end as well. Yeah, so I mean, I think this organizations that are that rely very heavily on donations of this type, like yeah. hospital systems. Hospital systems, of course, have many other ways that they sure. fund themselves. Yeah. But other charities, this might be the main source of of revenue is uh, solicitation of donations from people that they're serving. So thinking of say religious organizations, uh, they might want to be particularly. Uh, interested in whether their systems could be improved to better time uh, solicitations relative to, to when people come in. We do a little calculation in the paper where we uh, say, okay, there's other strategies you might want to use to, to increase donation rates. Uh, we benchmark our effect to others that have been tried in the literature, and we find getting solicitations a month sooner is about equivalent to, say, offering a one-to-one match right. uh, in a solicitation mailing, which has also been shown to, to increase uh, giving rates. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. Dan Loney joined by uh, Katie Milkman of the Wharton School and Judd Kessler as well of the Wharton School. We're talking about uh, charitable donation and the contact that organizations have in terms of a timing perspective of reaching out to people who are being asked for a donation. Uh, for the hospitals, and this may be the case for other uh, charitable organizations as well, 
I would imagine that they are now starting to be able to figure out the quantitative loss that they may be seeing because of this contact and the timing factor in the contact as well, correct? That's right. And that's exactly the exercise we go through in this paper in addition to doing a bunch of analyses to try to isolate the fact that this seems like a gratitude effect rather than something else. And so we can point out that this is really a large loss. It's about 30 percent, again, reduction in the likelihood of a donation for every 30 days they wait between the time of your visit and the time of their solicitation. But does it even affect the amount that somebody will, will donate as well? So it, it doesn't affect the amount once a gift is, has been made, but right. given the fact that you're missing out on all these donations, it does indeed hit the bottom line right. pretty hard. So right. when you wait, it's, you know, it's fewer donations, which translates pretty directly into uh, fewer, fewer donations. I'd be also interested to know if there's a correlation in terms of, uh, of this impact on uh, male versus female donors, is that something that, that is factored in as well? Is there you know, that in play also? So we didn't find any differences based on gender or other demographics. And in, in the statistical approach we take, we, we control for those things. So yeah. men and women may donate at different uh, rates at baseline. But uh, we didn't see the only patterns that we saw uh, are the ones that Katie already mentioned, that the more severe uh, departments were the ones that showed the, the sharpest uh, rate in, in decline. We also saw a little bit sort of uh, consistent with that, that if you visit the hospital system more times, uh, then you're more likely or you, you, you demonstrate a directionally larger decay rate. So we think that that has to do with having stronger feelings of reciprocity towards the hospital system. Mm-hmm. I, I had a good enough experience that I bothered to come back, uh, and that means that you know I might be more inclined to be to be generous uh, back to the hospital system when they ask for funds. It's also interesting the fact that with, with the hospital system, as you both mentioned, they have various streams of revenue that they w- will use to begin with already. When you're talking about a charitable organization in general. That is, the, in many cases, the mainstream of revenue, and that loss or that mistake in judgment ends up being the potential of a, of a huge loss for them on the course of a year. Absolutely. I think this is a really important finding, frankly, for organizations that survive based on um, this kind of reciprocal donation. I actually think it's an important finding for humans in general, though, and I actually want to step back for a second because yeah. we've been focusing on the hospital context. And one of the reasons both Judd and I are so excited about this paper is that it's not just about hospital systems and reciprocity. What we think we're able to isolate here is um, something much more fundamental. So life is all about this give and take, as Adam Grant, our um, our wonderful colleague, has pointed out in his writing and his book of that name. And this emphasizes how critical it is if you are engaging in those kinds of give and take relationships to recognize mm-hmm. that there is an expiration date on reciprocal behaviors, which is something that, frankly, was just completely missing from both psychology and economics previously. And it's really important because much of life, frankly, we we are doing favors for someone. You ask a friend to uh, do something for you at work and then hope that they'll help you in return. And And if you don't recognize that you need to ask for that return favor quickly, you may really miss out. So why do you think there there is that that miss historically for the understanding of this concept to begin with? Well, I think people recognized that you know, you might forget about an interaction. Yeah. That, that's a fair thing. You know, I, I do a favor for you and maybe I, I don't remember, uh, you know, you don't remember that, that I did a favor for you when I turn around and ask you for right. uh, a, a reply. Um, but, you know, there's ways of getting around that. When when you ask me for a favor via email and I do it, I can reply to that thread and say, hey, uh, hey, now I need your help. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so so that 
people understood. What we're finding is that, as Katie mentioned, even though we think you're likely to remember your visit, even though the solicitation request has in it the reference to the fact that you came back, uh, we're still seeing the fact this this fact that people are less inclined to reciprocate. So we think that that means that there's something else going on, and that's probably and it's it's more subtle, and it's probably that you know I ha- feel a certain way when you do me a favor, uh, where I sort of feel indebted to you, I feel grateful to you, yeah. I feel uh, that you know these positive uh, emotions, and if you were to ask me at that you know while I'm feeling those very strongly. Uh, if I could do you a favor, I'd be, you know, I'd be happy to, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd enjoy it. Or maybe I'd feel really guilty if I didn't. So, you know, we can't separate those apart, but, uh, but I'm sort of at the the sort of peak of my, of my emotions regarding our interaction. But especially if you're coming off of something like, as Katie said before, a surgery, something that's a relatively significant event in your life. It's not easy to forget that it's so fresh in a lot of people's minds to begin with. Exactly. And, and, even though you might continue to remember the event, if I wait too long to take it to sort of ask you for that return favor, yeah. and uh, those feelings have abated, sort of I've gone back to, to sort of baseline, you know, feeling good about you, but not you know as as elated, uh, then it's going to be you know less likely that the reciprocation will take place. Katie, there's a lot of research, um, and I think one of the leaders in this is George Lowenstein at Carnegie Mellon University, showing that um, we experience much of life in. Um, in different visceral states. So we can have hot states of um, anger or sure. uh, hunger, and they are passing, they're fleeting. Um, one explanation for our findings may be that gratitude is like that. You feel this intense wave of gratitude when someone does something uh, important or special that's meaningful to you. Uh, and, and when I think about your feelings, I don't recognize that that's fleeting in the way that you experience it. And so there may be a, a disconnect between... Um, the actual fleetingness of these kinds of states of gratitude and our expectations. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. Uh, Dan Loney in our studios, along with Katie Bilkman and Judd Kessler of the Wharton School, talking about their research regarding donations. You mentioned that this obviously has a, a great potential effect for a lot of organizations out there. Organizations today, I think, and probably in part coming out of the recession when getting donations was a, was a, a greater challenge, they probably feel like they're in an atmosphere today where it is easier to be able to potentially get that donation. But again, it's the conversation or it's the contact point in terms of reaching out to those people. And I'd be interested to know, in this digital age, does the type of contact matter? Because probably a lot of it is now more digital, as you said, via email than it was necessarily 20, 30 years ago when it was the letter you got in the mail or the call that you got on the phone saying, hey, we're glad we we were able to help you out. By the way, we're starting our annual giving campaign. Yeah. So, I mean, we in this paper, we're looking specifically at mailed solicitations. Yeah. Uh, but your intuition is exactly right. If you look across studies, an email is very easy to ignore, uh, and you know it's going to be ignored more often. Than, Unless it goes into the spam folder, then, then it's that. De- well, if it's in the spam, it's definitely ignored. <laughs> right, exactly. by, ignored by default. But uh, you know, and, and a physical piece of mail maybe gets more attention, and a phone call, you know, even more so if if you actually uh, pick up. So that is going to be underlying a lot of you know the way organizations use this kind of insight from from our work uh, is that you know it's not just about striking while the iron is hot, so to speak, but it also is, you know, you have to get people's attention uh, for them to to be inclined to engage, you know, reciprocally or not. What did the hospital system that you dealt with, what did they learn from this research? And did they 
tweak their philosophy off of this? Well, I think they learned how important it is to queue up these mailings more frequently. Yeah. And um, I should I should mention, by the way, one thing we haven't talked about is our amazing collaborator on this work, Amanda Chuan, who's a doctoral student who really did, um, frankly, the lion's share of the analysis of the data, the crunching of the numbers, the hard, hard work. And she spent a lot of time actually hand in hand with our organizational partner talking about the results, cleaning data with them. And mm-hmm. and I think um, they feel like they learned a lot. I believe they're actually changing their mailing systems as a result of that. That is my understanding. Jet? Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, our partner, other organizations, you know, there's a trade-off. If it is harder to send mail or make phone calls or send emails more frequently. It requires more coordination and, uh, you know, moving faster in terms of getting uh, the names and contact information of the people you want to reach out to. So we, you know, we leave it to, to our partners and to other organizations out there to decide, you know, okay, how costly would, would it be for me to double the number of times a year I send out my, my mailers to really try to cut, cut in half the amount of time people have to wait before getting the solicitation. Uh, but what we're, what we're able to say is, is on the other side, which is what are you going to gain from uh, sending the solicitations a month earlier? Does this also, does this change uh, the, the philosophy of, of, of you in terms of the next step potentially in the research that you want to look at this? Because, I mean, obviously you've you've tapped into, into one aspect of the charitable giving genre. Is there a next logical step off of this that, that, that you guys want to follow? I mean, it's, there's anytime you have a, a result that sort of surprises you, you sort of have a ton of follow-up questions. So one question I have is, you know, this is a situation – uh, where we're seeing this decay, your intuition might be, well, in lots of uh, times when charities assist somebody, they might be on really hard times. So they might mm-hmm. be, uh, you know, I, I get help from from the American Red Cross, say, if, you know, if I suffer a fire and I'm really, you know, need to need help getting ready to, you know, find a new place to live. And that's not going to be a, an environment where yeah. or setting where I'm going to, ha- you know, be flush with cash to be able to make a donation. So I think that our finding, you know, you might be interested in exploring how it interacts with uh, situations where I'm, I'm, you know, down on my luck. Maybe that's when I'm particularly, uh, you know, feel particular reciprocity towards an organization. If you help me when I'm when I'm struggling, I might really uh, care care about you know repl- returning that favor. Uh, but again, I'm not. I might not be able to at that moment in time. So I think that unpacking that kind of question uh, yeah. is something that seems exciting to me. I think there's a benefit also the fact that generally, I think there obviously are, I think are situations where this doesn't apply. But generally, I think people feel uh, a connection with an organization in general, especially when they've had. In the case of the hospital system, they've they've been involved in some sort of medical procedure, some sort of uh, of, of life event. So that connection is kind of there to begin with uh, in the first place, which obviously is to the benefit of the organization to begin with. Sure, absolutely. Um, I, I think one of the cool things that we could follow up on in this research is um, – what this emphasizes is that the timing is so, so important to your generosity decision. As Judd said, organizations were thinking about this before. They were thinking about trying to time asks near Christmas when you're particularly generous. Um, the current best-selling book by Dan Pink, When, emphasizes that there are these different moments and in our lives that are important. And figuring out the right timing for when you make a decision, when you make an ask is going to be critical to success. I think this emphasizes in this paper that that's true in the charitable domain and the domain of reciprocity more generally. So I think really interesting questions for follow-up would be um, what other aspects of timing are relevant to 
decisions about reciprocity and about giving. So not just the time delay after a service interaction, but maybe there are certain moments besides the holidays when we're particularly yeah. motivated to give that we haven't already identified. I've done some other research on what I call the fresh start effect moments when people are particularly motivated to uh, try to achieve new goals in their lives or turn over a new leaf. And there may be similar moments when we're feeling like we want to give back to the world. And if, if organizations could figure that out, it would have a big impact. Judd? Yeah, that might vary organization to organization. So, you know, religious holidays might be that point in time for religious organizations. Yeah. Uh, you know, the there's evidence from charities that deal with natu uh, natural disasters like the Red Cross and others where it doesn't matter where the, the natural disaster is. You know, it's not you, you are more likely, for example, to donate blood locally when you hear about some tragedy in some other distant part of the world, even yeah. though you're, the blood you donate is not going to uh, the people who are suffering from that particular uh, event. So, you know, I think Katie's exactly right. These uh, sort of these temporal spillovers or these sort of moments where you're particularly uh, keen to to give back that uh, identifying what those are and and you know that could be particularly interesting. Great talking with both of you. Thank you very much. All the best. Thanks for having us. Thanks Thank so you. much. Thank you both. Katie Milkman from uh, the Wharton School as well as Jed Kessler. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.